Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, welcome to Redmen Weekly, and this is an Alexis McAllister special, of course. And I want to let everybody know before we get into the shows that if you head to Redmen Plus now and sign up as a club captain yearly subscriber, and if you use code MAC10, that's M A C. One zero, you will get 50% off Club Captain yearly subscription. That's just £25 for some amazing content. So, of course, it's been a very busy week here at Redmen TV, and I spoke to Brighton journalist Charlie Haffenden to get the Brighton perspective ahead of Alexis McAllister's move to Liverpool. Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it, in many senses? It's strange for me to, A, invite you on and B, talk to you because I'm essentially a little bit of schadenfreude, really. I'm inviting you on to talk about one of your, I guess, beloved Brighton players potentially leaving the football club. So it is a weird one, but of course we are here to talk about Alexis McAllister. Now, there's been speculation and reports for weeks, really, about the Argentine midfielder, but this morning, as I speak, it really sort of went up a gear. I think it's fair to say Paul Joyce reported that Liverpool were sort of in the process and potentially a week away from signing Alexis McAllister. And on the back of that, James Pearce said the same thing. Fabrizio Romano has done his standard, here we go. So it really has gathered some pace. I should also say, amongst all that, that Andy Naylor has been very much of the opinion that just need to hold our horses ever so slightly, of course, of the athletic parish. And he's basically sort of quoted David Ornstein and said, there remains a mechanism in place that means Brighton don't necessarily have to agree to whatever deal is going to happen. But that's all the admin stuff out the way. Let's talk about Alexis McAllister, the football, a little bit more. So I want to start with this season because he's been nothing short of sensational this year, quite frankly. And obviously in the middle of this season just gone as well, there was a small matter of a World Cup win. So just how impressive was he, Charlie? Yeah, that World Cup win you mentioned wasn't even anything to do with Brighton, but the fact you became the first ever Brighton player to reach a quarter-final of the World Cup, let alone a semi and then a final and then going on to win it, it was just incredible. Um, I think right then in that moment, might be controversial to say, but he kind of implemented a bit of a legendary status at the club. Maybe not as a for the club's achievements necessarily, but the fact he's the first ever World Cup winner at Brighton, I think it kind of does that to you, doesn't it, as a player, if not yeah. an incredible servant. Uh, but this season has been brilliant, as you say. I wouldn't quite go as far as saying it's like a breakout season for him, because I think that last year he was very impressive as well. But it's definitely the one that has got people talking about him elsewhere in the league. We kind of knew his qualities under Graham Potter. We knew what he could do. He definitely did the job um, in the kind of number 10 role. Under Roberto Zerbi stepped into more of a number six or a number eight, and he's really shone in those positions. Getting forward as well. Not quite box to box because he hasn't quite got those physical attributes, but he managed to do the defensive work and then break up the play, get beyond the press and seem to get in the advanced positions just on the edge of the area, typically, uh, and then gets in those places to, to score goals and chip in. Lots of penalties, of course, adding more statistics, but he does score from range as well, which is good to see. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the numbers side of things, actually, because there has been a massive uptick this season in his output. And it's something that in his career, despite his ability, and he's very technically gifted, he obviously has the eye for a pass, etc., etc., but his numbers have never been really superb and never really done him justice, I suppose it's fair to say. Do you think the uptick, you mentioned penalty there, that's clearly a big op- a part of it, but do you think the uptick has been about a new role under the Zerbi, a bit more freedom, a bit a different position? What do you think it's down to? 
I think it probably is that freedom uh, under Potter. Although the football was very attacking and there was a lot of possession basis there, I think under the Serbi they've been allowed to be a bit freer to get forwards and a bit more fast-flowing as well. Under Potter there was such a focus on trying to keep those clean sheets first and then pushing on. And still great football to watch, but not mm. quite what we see under the Serbi. Very different in the sense that, yeah, occasionally they might keep a clean sheet, but the main focus is just trying to outscore the opponent. And that's mm. why McAllister has been able to get forward more, get in these positions. I think as well, the player behind him, Moises Caicedo, really helping out uh, because he's just mopping up all his mistakes and mopping up the mistakes of the whole team and Mm. and to win that uh, possession. That means that McAllister doesn't have to worry about that as much and he can step forward and get beyond, which is really key. And also the way that the Zerbi's football is... As, as it is you know we wait to pass from outside out, out of the back to get out of that mm. we wait for the teams to press before we kind of go on beyond that line and once mm. we do that's when we start creating chances very quickly under Potter wasn't quite as effective you see Guardiola Klopp as well both mentioning how impressive it is that we get beyond every single time yeah. without press near enough and yeah. that's what's allowed McAllister the freedom that and the uh, the Caicedo influence yeah, absolutely. I mean, for your sake, I hope you keep all the Caicedo because he is another superb footballer. But I suppose I'll touch on the Brighton model just as we wrap up, really. And this is kind of what you do. And I suppose it's hard to take in many senses, but you just kind of got to accept it. But just quickly there, you mentioned sort of the style of play and how Brighton operate. And it has been hugely impressive. I mean, I've been amazed by what the Zerbys managed to do. Because I was, Brighton was a, a very good football club when Potter was at the helm. And I was incredibly impressed then. But the Zerbys taking it onto a whole new level, quite frankly and you school those down at the Amex. Uh, that's definitely definitely a thing that happened. Um, but in terms of style then, and in terms of where McAllister will fit at Liverpool, how do you see that working out? And I also want to ask you, as I say, you know, not to discredit Zerbi in the slightest, but do you think this is a player that could improve even further under Jurgen Klopp? I think he's going to improve wherever he goes and just his career has been like that. You know, it's yeah. been such an upward trajectory in the last couple of years. It feels weird to think that around kind of lockdown time we couldn't even get a work permit for him and we had to wait for his debut a random game away at Wolves and then it was locked down and then after that it took a while to get going but ever since it's just been so upward and it will continue he's still only 24 years of age he's not even in his prime yet he still hasn't got that many games from Argentina under his belt really and he's not had any Champions League experience any European experience yet he's going to get all of that he's going to be alongside better quality players as much as it hurts me to say it's just obvious and true He's going to have more opportunities to get creative outputs as well as goals. The players that you've got up top, so many talented, world-class mm-hmm. players. He's only going to improve more and more. It's just whether Klopp can get the same kind of attributes out of him that, that De Zerbi has. Yeah. Whether or not your press, uh, sorry, beating the press is as effective as Brighton, that might be a bit a bit of a worry there. And also Fabinho, I don't think quite as mobile as someone like Caicedo. So you might have to track back a little bit more to try and mop up things. So a couple of reservations, but for the most part, you would expect him to improve, yeah. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you on the Fabinho point, by the way. Fabinho of two years ago, even 18 months ago, uh, we have a different conversation about, but the season he's just had, he just wasn't at it at all. It remains to be seen whether Liverpool double down in that position as well. Like, it might be McAllister ahead of somebody completely different yet. Yeah, who knows? Um, you mentioned sort of his, his strange start to his career, actually, in many senses. Obviously, I've done a little bit of studying on McAllister, and he did make a weird start, because obviously Argentinos Juniors, to begin with, comes to you, goes back to Boca. His international career starts in weird circumstances and never really takes off. So it has been a strange sort of rise to stardom in many senses. But you said it there, his trajectory has been upwards and he has made an astronomical rise in just in the past 12 months, I think it's fair to say. You think he'll improve? Just You've seen a lot of him, obviously, in terms of footballer's ability. Just how far can he go? Like, What are we talking about from McAllister? I don't think he'll go as far, if you're comparing to current Brighton players, I don't think he'll go as far as Caicedo. I okay. think something like him's got a higher ceiling because he can just be moulded into so many different positions. You've seen him fill him at right back at, at kind of defensive midfield a little bit further as well. He's got that mobility and that stamina. 
Macalester doesn't quite have as much of that, um, but he does have a better creative input, as I kind of mentioned before. Mm-hmm. And his ability just to, to pick out the passes at the right times and waiting patiently sometimes might feel like he's dearly dallying, but he's really not. He's just waiting for that moment. And then others, he'll make things happen in a split second. Um, so occasionally you might have to be a little bit patient with him, but mm-hmm. for the most part, I think he's very good at uh, at doing it, especially on the counter-attack as well. I know Brighton quite patient sometimes, it almost feels like a counter-attack when they finally do get on beyond that press. It's such a weird and, and wacky way that Zerbi managed to do it, but it works so well. Just, I say hopefully. I'm, I'm not sure if I want to see him do as well at Liverpool as he has at Brighton, really, but you, you do want to see these players progress and become incredible. Now, ben White's kind of done that at, at Arsenal. Not worked out the same for Basuma no. and, and Kukurea, though, you must say. I'm going to hope that McAllister is on the better side of those. <laughs> yeah, I definitely do. Um, no surprise about that. But no, you're right. I, I was going to mention Basum a little bit earlier. He seemed like one to me who would get better, and that was the right move for him. It seemed like a no-brainer, but it just hasn't happened at all. He's completely stalled. Um, just want to ask you, you just mentioned a couple of his attributes there. What would you say were his key strengths and indeed his weaknesses, if he has any? Um, his strengths, I think... Definitely his attitude is a, is a very big strength. If you go away from his on-the-field abilities in terms of his traditional attributes, I think you would go for his mental attitude to things and just not giving up. And you've got to have that to be a World Cup winner, for starters. You've got to have that to be a starter in the Premier League. I know it's I'm basically Captain Obvious saying this, but he's got he goes above and beyond. He mm-hmm. really does. He's quite a good leader in the middle of the park as well. It's not his first language, English, but he just seems to... Let the football do the talking and as he builds up the play people seem to understand him quite quickly as well the way he wants to operate so i think that's a big positive in terms of negatives um i haven't got too many for McAllister. maybe sometimes as i said before he can dwindle slightly on the ball take a little bit too long but it's mm-hmm. not that common he does that it's rare that he's complacent it does fall into his game sometimes though and, and maybe on a stamina basis there have been times probably just because brighton have had to play with quite limited squad depth at times and and when their fixtures have racked up we've not had europe this year but we had about three or four games in hand for a lot of the mm-hmm. time he did struggle then and he had to be benched a couple of times to put up with that but i think you could say that about most players to be honest yeah, someone yeah. like i say though even he needs a rest at times so um, yeah. not really too much of a down point there yeah, some amazing content there from Charlie. Obviously, he was gutted to lose the Argentine World Cup winner, but also wished him well on his career at the Reds. I also spoke to Argentine journalist Alejandro Cesar to get the perspective from the South American nation ahead of the move for the 24-year-old. There's only one person we're here to talk about, um, Argentinian World Cup winner, of course, Alexis McAllister, um, currently a Brighton footballer, but as we are talking, he has just been granted permission to do his medical ahead of a move to Liverpool Football Club. So we're going to talk about Alexis McAllister. Um, I guess the first place to start is, as a youngster growing up in Argentina, how did his career begin? Was he always going to be destined for greatness or was it a slow start for him? Uh, he was not a, a midfielder, a mixed midfielder like he is today. Uh, he was more like a, a, a classic number 10, uh, more or less uh, like uh, Maradona was in, in his time. Uh, uh, during his, um, uh, his time in Argentina Juniors, uh, he used to play in that position. He then was transferred uh, on loan to Boca Juniors uh, through Brighton. I mean, he was sold... Uh, via the Stella Group to Brighton and then from there to Boca Juniors on loan. And during his time in Boca Juniors, uh, he developed uh, into the mixed midfielder uh, he is now. I mean, uh, a footballer that is capable of uh, marking as well as having his his vision and his power to uh, send passes be between the the, the rival defense, mm-hmm. uh, he developed into that uh, footballer in Boca Juniors and um, finished his uh, uh, degree in being a mixed uh, uh, midfielder in Brighton uh, with uh, Graham Potter mm-hmm. and Roberto De Servi. I mean, this uh, uh, double uh, pivot let's say yeah. uh, that the Serbian Porter formed uh, 
uh, with uh, the Ecuadorian um, Moises Caicedo is the key to Brighton's success. And in that success, uh, McAllister passes, McAllister's uh, dynamics, and uh, McAllister's um, uh, strength, I mean, because he, he also developed uh, physical strength, he's more capable of marking now than yeah. was uh, two or three days ago, uh, three years ago. Um, and so this uh, developing footballer matured, grew into uh, the footballer he is now. Mm -hmm. And Liverpool will get this footballer. Yeah. 100%. No, I agree with you. Um, you mentioned there sort of being key to success at Brighton. He was key to success for Argentina as well in the World Cup, alongside a certain Lionel Messi, of course. How would you sort of sum up his World Cup? Because he wasn't in the team to begin with, and then Scaloni put him in the side, and I think Argentina improved for having McAllister. So how would you describe his competition? Um, McAllister has a key um, quality, that is his versatility. Uh, you can put him uh, next to the uh, to the line, and he will uh, perform well. You can put him uh, as a midfielder, as a central midfielder, and he will cope with that position. Uh, you can put him as an, a classic number ten, and he will know uh, how to do that, how to perform. Mm -hmm. I mean, this versatility was key to his success in the national team, because Argentina needed a mixed midfielder. Uh, a man capable of helping the ball into the defensive um, layer of the of the team, and a man capable of uh, giving passes to Julian Alvarez, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is how McAllister developed into the national national team. Because don't forget that Argentina uh, um, uh, missed uh, Giovanni Lochelso in the preparation for the World Cup. And we had no left midfielder, left-footed midfielder. And, and that's, that is a one-layer um, uh, midfield in the team. You have no depth if you, if you don't have a, a left-footed midfielder. Mm -hmm. And then McAllister erupted into the first team and was capable of uh, giving solutions mm -hmm. uh, for, for that absence. Some amazing stuff as well from Alejandro, I'm sure you'll agree. And we also had our usual Redmen reacts after the announcement was made early on Thursday morning, and it was Chloe Bloxham and Chris Pajak in the chair to give their initial thoughts after Liverpool confirmed the deal. What's the one thing that stuck with you from all of the stuff from Liverpool, first of all? How quickly it's been done. Um, it's clear that... He said, you know, he, he wanted to join quickly enough that he could go on holiday and come back for pre-season and really get down into it. Um, there was, you know, people turning around and saying CL clubs at the moment weren't willing to put bids in and start transfer talk. And that kind of set him off to, to Liverpool in terms of wanting to get it done quickly. So, yeah, it was the fact that this has all been done right at the start. Liverpool knew they couldn't do a replica of what happened last year. They've got some of the business done earlier on, and I expect this to just be a domino effect on the next to, to keep coming in quickly because Liverpool need to have them all, all the players they want signed, ready for pre-season. So a few things that we know straight off the bat. We know he's going to take the number 10 shirt. We've seen him wearing the number 10 shirt. We've watched the, uh, Liverpool's official YouTube video and him talking about why he took that number 10 shirt he feels comfortable he was offered the number eight as well but he's decided to go with the number 10 last one of course by Sadio Mane we know there is still two figures being bandied around we've seen 35 million we've seen 55 million the likelihood is it's 35 million with the potential to be 55 million it was reported by Liverpool as undisclosed fee we should also mention that either way 35 million up front rising to 55 million for a World Cup winner good deal right incredible deal once again you know it's outrageous how the initial figure could even be 35 million there's loads of Brighton fans who feel extremely sick at the moment in time because that was a player that they thought they could get at least 70 million for um, and it was once upon a time where I thought 70 mil Jesus Christ that's a lot of money to get him for 35 potentially rising to 55 for the 24 year old midfielder that is sought after he's not just it's not just Liverpool who was interested um, a World Cup 
Cup winner and, you know, a lad who perfectly can fit our system and, and is so, um, he can adapt to so many different styles of play. It's an absolute bargain. So we've, I've actually got up on the on my screen in front of you, a tweet from Andy Naylor, quite famous now amongst Liverpool fans <laughs> is Andy Naylor, uh, Brighton reporter, of course. Uh, Alexis McAllister's move to Liverpool is confirmed. Contact was made a few days ago at executive level. No other clubs, including the Champions League qualified, were ready to do business. Um, either that means Alexis McAllister or the attacking midfielder wanted to join <laughs> Liverpool rather than waiting. It, does that surprise you that there was no other clubs ready to do business? Yeah, 100%, because this was a player that, like, you, you look at Caicedo, who obviously plays for them as well, and it seems like 10 clubs are in for him. McAllister's, for some reason, gone under the radar. How is he not sought after? Maybe, I, I, I don't know why, you know, Champions League clubs aren't ready to do that. Maybe they just think they're in a better situation. They've got more people who they can choose like they don't from. Need World Cup winners. They don't need Real Cup winners. Um, and maybe Liverpool just got in there so early that they haven't even started a chance. People leave it to the last moment. And by last moment, I mean people can leave it till literally the day the transfer window opens or the season finishes. Feels like Liverpool in the background have been doing stuff before then. Um, but yeah, it's extremely surprising that it, it seems like Liverpool were only the front runners for him when he's this good of a footballer. It, it is mad, isn't it? And, and David Lynch has, has reported a little bit on Twitter um, with regards to how the deal was sort of done in terms of Schmacker and Ward. So Julian Ward's been credited do, with doing a lot of the legwork to get Alexis McAllister to Liverpool. However, his handover to Schmacker is now complete and the German is set to take the lead on transfers across the remainder of this summer. Um, so he, he goes on to say the fee is undisclosed, contract till 2028. We've seen that from John Adirkin. Uh, this is Anfield. We thought it would probably be a five-year deal as what Liverpool like to do with players who come into the football club, of course. Understood the fee to be around 35 million which is utterly remarkable in the current yeah. transfer market like, I don't think anyone's totally understanding how ridiculous that is like even the 55 mil is, is ridiculous I wouldn't accept less than 30 for Kelleher and he's no, a backup goalie exactly if, if <laughs> I wouldn't have accepted anything other than 25 Alex Oxlade Chamberlain you know what I mean? Like, what's going on? Oh, we got it for 35 million quid. <laughs> I know, it's ridiculous. So even if we do go up to 55, it's not now. No, so we've got money in the in the budget now for what, who's next. What do you reckon the add-ons are? Do you reckon the add-ons are certain appearances? Yeah, like one appearance, Liverpool. 10 million. Okay. One goal, another 10 million, <laughs> job done. Because anything else is just stupid, yeah. isn't it? You know what I mean? Sure, no, the appearances will probably be... Something like a season's worth, maybe 25, yeah. 30 appearances and you get another 10 million quid. I'm sure something will be linked to trophies because mm. it always is. In fact, it, it normally is trophies, but I've got a feeling this one as, as, a rough, as a rough guess straight off the top of my head right now, Champions League qualification. Yes. That would make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. That if you get if he gets you into the Champions League, you pay us mm. more money. Whereas in the past, when you're in the Champions League every year, it's you got to win the Champions yep, League. Sure. So it wouldn't surprise me if it was something like that. I can't wait to sort of find out over the next sort of couple of days and stuff what all the lowdown on this is really because. We don't know his wage. No. Nope. We know it's 2028, 20, as has been reported by Durkin and Lynch. Um, but we could have guessed that. I mean. Just, I'm just so happy to be honest with you. Like we, we we've spoken about this off camera quite a lot recently and on camera on a video that never went out. Um, <laughs> where do you think he's going to play? Left side of midfield at this current moment in time. With the formation we're playing right now. With the formation we're playing right now, which is obviously the inverted right back situation. Um, I think he can do the Curtis Jones role. I I see him play off the left hand side of midfield a lot. For, for Brighton he was always he's right footed so it's natural to if you're going to shoot or yeah. whip one in to cut back and he and likes whip it. to shoot he likes that. to do that um, so I can see that role however it genuinely all depends on the different players we bring in the system the formation what we fancy I mean he, he could play on the right side of the midfield. I'm absolutely sound with that. Obviously, it's a little bit harder to shoot you know because it's, it's your outside foot but if he finds himself in the area across goal Perfectly sound, um, but yeah, I'm I'm eyeing up the Curtis Jones role, which is a little bit upsetting for him. But at the same time, in my head, Curtis Jones, if he was going to do anything, would be a really, really boss squad role player. And Alexis McAllister isn't going to play every single game all season. Neither is Virgil Van Dijk, Mo Salah. All these massive players were not in Champions League football anymore. There'll be a lot of rotation. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited to see him, and I I think he'll play off the left. What side. what about if we change to a four three three formation? 
Yeah, it, it's what it, you also have to factor in Tiago as well. There, I'm not, I'm not saying you know he's been perfect, but Liverpool signed him for a reason, and the reason was for him to like play on the left side of midfield for for us. Um, and now we're bringing like just think of this competition that I'm talking about here. Yeah. Um, he's obviously inconsistent, Tiago, but Tiago, if we had a full strength squad, he'd be on the left side of centre mid. So. It's interesting to think. I'd still put him on the left side. It's where you put Tiago. It's if you if Tiago comes back and stay fit and shows I'm consistent here. I'm I'm the one who's unlocking everything for you. Then McAllister shuffling to right. We, we know he's we know he's versatile. I think that's what you're yeah. sort of driving at. We've seen him play half a season as a double pivot with Caicedo for Brighton earlier on, and at that time his stats were ridiculous. I've got a deep dive show that I did yesterday oh, with Josh yeah. Williams. The, we went through his stats from the first half of the season. It is absolutely ridiculous. And if you're looking at his his FB ref stats for the season, you're probably a little like, well, what's going on here? Because he doesn't really show up as well as you'd probably think. But when you play half a season as DM and half a season as AM, you start suddenly end up melding somewhere in the middle so you've got to unpick that and we unpick that uh, on the deep dive so we know about how versatile players you know about how versatile yep. players you know how much uh, Brighton you've watched this season but that first half of the season you can play in a double pivot it gives us that versatility to play a 4-2-3 one it gives us the versatility to play the 4-3-3 still if we want to and this new WM formation yeah. of course with Tent moving from right back into midfield so he gives us all those options. I agree with you. I think he can play right-hand sides and left-hand sides. Yeah. I picture him as a left-hand side for all the reasons that you've stated. The way that you see him coming in and cutting in from that left-hand side for Brighton. But he's also able to drop deep and pick a pass. So he's got a little bit of everything. And it's that versatility that Klopp wants. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Yeah, two very happy members of staff there, of course, both delighted to see Liverpool get their summer business underway. Later on that afternoon, I spoke to Neil Jones to get the journalist perspective of the move and just get more of the finer details around that fee. There's been an air of mystery around it for a few days. It's been obvious been happening. That isn't the mystery. The mystery has been the fee and it remains sort of the biggest bone of contention even after it being announced because different numbers, different reports, different people saying different things. Um, I want to ask you before we get into that though, are you a fan of the AI song that Liverpool used? Yeah, yeah. I, I am, yeah. Um, I texted someone at the club, obviously would be involved in the, the social media and the, the website stuff and just said, you've nailed that to be honest. I think <laughs> obviously... Shows the quick reactions, doesn't it? Was it only yesterday, wasn't it, that it yeah, came out? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was delayed slightly. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, that would be a first, wouldn't it? We're waiting for <laughs> waiting for someone to make up a song on AI. But um, yeah, it was pretty good. It's just just a shame the song's called Ecuador, not Argentina. Yeah. And that would have been perfect. Or, or he's not Ecuadorian. That would yeah. have been ideal. I said exactly that upstairs twenty minutes ago. So I just had to find the actual original version of the song for something on Instagram, and I was like, oh, it's Ecuador, fucking course it is. Yeah, yeah. shame. Uh, Caicedo anyway. could, could have been Caicedo. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This time, yeah. This time, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, like I said, coming back to the serious matters, the fee. Um, early on today on Twitter, you said you've been told that £35 million has been reported recently and you went on to say they should leave plenty of room for strengthening. No excuses to sort of a key areas. Absolutely agree with you on all of that. As I said, I've seen some different reports suggesting there might be add-ons on top of £35 million. As things stand, where are you at with it? 
Yeah, well, the source I've got it from, I'm pretty, well, I'm, I'm very, very happy that the idea that it's 35 million pounds. Definitely that's that's the, the the upfront fee. Add-ons, possibly, I don't know, but definitely the, the guaranteed fee is 35 million pounds, which is just a magnificent deal, really, isn't it, for Liverpool? Mm-hmm. You know, you can say what you like from a Brighton perspective, and I'm sure there'll be some people sort of thinking, oh, Brighton have lost out, but you've got to remember, he didn't have a contract in... You know, in October he was mm-hmm. out of contract, so they've got thirty-five million more than he probably would have got. Yeah. Um. But from a Liverpool point of view, if you talk about some of the fees that we've seen for players, you know, good players, indifferent players, unknown players over this summer, you're talking about getting a player like Alexis McAllister mm. with, with his, you know, recent pedigree, his potential, mm. his Premier League readiness for that kind of money. It's a a real um, a real boost for Liverpool. And like I say, it should. It it removes some excuses, doesn't it? You know, if you mm. if you if you thought Liverpool had sort of overpaid for him, then you you might get the the sort of feeling towards the end of the window. Ah, oh, we had to put all our money into that basket and yeah. whatever. But this is, you know, you should be able to get three more signings. I would say for yeah. Liverpool, if you're looking at if you're looking at this kind of money. So it's um, it's like I say, I think I said on Monday to 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 stay. Mm. It's a good start. A very good start. It just has to be. There has to be more behind yeah. it. It has to. You know, Liverpool can't sort of rest on the laurels. I don't think they will. No. But you can't. You can't sort of think. Oh, they've done. They've done the bulk of their business. They've still got a lot more to do. I think. Yeah, exactly. That. It has to be the start, doesn't it? But I agree with you on the price. I mean, even if it does have add-ons included, if you can get someone whose stock is probably at its highest right now, yeah. Alexis McAllister for that sort of money, it's extraordinary business. And as you say, it kind of eliminates any excuses further down the line. There's no reason why we won't go again into the market very swiftly. And Liverpool have acted swiftly. I mean, we're still six days away, sitting now from the market actually being open so to get him through the door so promptly and to get him secured as a Liverpool player is really smart business from Liverpool yeah and I think that's a good you know a good sign as well and you know in these there's a bit of uncertainty around Liverpool obviously with behind the scenes people leaving smart director coming in who's, who's new and on a short-term deal um but you look at what they've done in January with Gakpo looks like that was a good Good fee, good player, mm-hmm. good bit of business. Got him at the right time. You look at McAllister here. You know, I think it's clear that Liverpool have have done really well with the agent mm. um, Juan um, Gomella, I think his name is. Okay. Um, who he was? I'm told he was involved in the Coutinho deal that went that come to Liverpool in in what was that 2013? Yeah, from Inter. Yeah. From Inter, they've yeah. got a few Brazilian players. So Renan Lodi. Who's a um, Forest, Forest yeah, yeah. on loan? Well, I think he's will he go back to Atletico Madrid. I Probably, think this yeah. summer, Alexandro, who obviously was at Juventus, mm-hmm. um, and Alan, who will know from um, from his One short spell at Everton. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying glorious spell at Everton. Yeah, <laughs> but but I think that's where that relationship sort of been cemented. You know, I think the agents being in Merseyside quite a lot yeah. for, for Alan and, and and Liverpool really taking advantage of sort of you know knowledge building that relationship building that sort of trust and mm-hmm. that feeling that look you know we'll, we'll keep an eye on this player yeah clearly you know two years ago Alexis McCallis is not on anyone's radar really in terms of you know a top level player mm. um probably even in a wider sense probably not in, even until the world cup was he? you know like in, you know I, th- I don't think he'd done 90 minutes for Argentina in, no. a, in a game I think he had eight caps before that world cup and he, and he was doing okay for Brighton or doing well for Brighton but there was still that sort of you know, yeah, yeah. Who is he? What? What's his sort of his game about? Um, but Liverpool have obviously done done a lot of groundwork, a lot of homework, mm. and this is this is the result. And it is someone like I said, I've been saying it many times on this show, many many times, too many to, to remember. But <laughs> it has to be someone to go into the first eleven. The first sign this summer had to be someone who just yeah. goes straight into the first eleven. And I think mm. Alexis McAllister is absolutely that. Um, where it'll be, maybe there's, there's a yeah. bit more debate around that, but. Definitely, the first game of next season, fitness permitting, mm. he starts to Liverpool. I'm, yeah. I'm saying of that. I agree with that. It's a marquee signing without the marquee price mm. tag, isn't it? In many senses, and what you're getting from McAllister, and it's something I know you've touched about, a touched on rather on this show, is that we know what he's all about. He's mm. Premier League proven. We've seen him. We've seen him do it. We've seen him on the biggest stage in the World Cup. So you're right. He's going to walk into the squad, and immediately as fans, we can relax and go, okay, that's one major problem fixed. Yeah, they haven't had. I suppose Liverpool haven't had too many. You know, we, we in the last in recent sort of three four years, 
Nunez is probably the one who, who stands out as as that one at big feet, but mm. you could you could got the sense immediately from Liverpool that they, they were going to be patient with him. Yeah. He didn't start. I mean, he didn't start the first game of last season, did he? You know, either the Community Shield or the, or no. the Premier League. Um, but you look at like Gakpo was pretty much ready from the word go, wasn't he? Jota went almost went straight in. Mm-hmm. Thiago obviously was was a bit different in terms of his age, but you know Luis Diaz almost from the word go was was right into the side, wasn't he? So I think McAllister's in that sort of bracket. You know his age. I, I spoke about the number of games he's played, and mm. it's it's really it's really interesting Liverpool's recruitment. If you look, so many players: Mane, Salah, Van Dijk, Jota. Diaz, Gakpo, I think would be in that. I, I haven't checked that, but around sort of 150 to 200 games under their belt, 23 to 25 mm-hmm. years old. There's a there's a real theme of Liverpool's recruitment that I think they want to eliminate the risk a little mm-hmm. bit. They obviously want that potential as well. They don't want to buy, well, they don't want to buy, but they, they don't generally buy the finished product. No. Um, they want to sort of get that extra level out of these players and they back the managers to do that. Mm-hmm. Most of the time he does, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it really fits in with what Liverpool have done in recent years, even if <laughs> maybe the structure of the club or the, the general feeling around the club isn't mm. quite as secure and stable as it, as it has been. Um, this feels like a, a very Liverpool signing, doesn't it? And, yeah. you know, hopefully he'll, he'll prove to be a, you know, a very good sign. And I, I'm, you know, I'm willing to put my neck on the line on this one. I think he's going to be a cracking signing for Liverpool. You know, I think, he, I think he'll make a massive impact and yeah. be, become a big favourite. Yeah, absolutely. He ticks lots of boxes, doesn't he? Like you say, he does fit into that sweet spot for what Liverpool are looking for. Um, I wanted to touch on that. You mentioned the groundwork that Liverpool have done on this deal for quite some time now. Obviously, we should also say credit to Brighton. Um, they won't feel like taking much credit right now, having lost him, but they did unearth him, if you like, originally. Oh, yeah. And I think they paid sort of the five, seven million pound mark for him, and they've made a 30 million pound profit plus whatever else comes following down the line. But I wanted to ask you in terms of Liverpool side of things, we know Julian Ward is outgoing as it stands. Jorg Schmadke's been there for, is it even a week yet? Yeah, last In terms week, of yeah. this deal, um, it's mainly Julian Ward led to believe oh, he's done it. Yeah, yeah 100%, 100% it's his regime that, that's, that's yeah. responsible for this. I mean, you could probably call it his part and gift maybe if you like in that sense it's not you know again it's not a bad one is it but yeah I think I think the feeling is that now it's over to the new guy almost you know it's like that was the one that Liverpool wanted to get done mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm sure there'll be information and, and, and work that's been done that'll be shared with with Schmanker that maybe he can act upon but I think it's it's really much um, this this is a, a, a led by the old regime if you like yeah. this this kind of signing as, as was Gakpo obviously in January mm-hmm. Um yeah, so it's um, like I say, he's, he's left soon into his role as new Julian, mm. but I think he, he's left with two good, two yeah. good ones, you know, at the back end, and, and no reason why Darwin Nunez can't prove to be an excellent one as well. You know, we still haven't seen anything of Calvin Ramsey. No, nope. um, from last summer, we we haven't seen enough of Fabio Cavallo potentially. Yeah. Even beyond that, lower down, you know, you look at. Stefan Bajetic, Ben Doak, Bobby Clark, potentially players mm-hmm. like that. So, you know, Liverpool have brought brought some good players to the club in the last. Um, you know, in the, in the Luis Diaz was 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 very much a, a yeah, Julian, yeah. Julian Ward led one. So they've brought some good players during his time. Um, you know, I'm sure he'll hope. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he won't be. He's not, he's not someone who costs publicity at all, obviously, as we know. Mm. But I'm sure he'll hope that he's you know. He's remembered in that sense that you know hey, he he got he got Alexis McAllister along with all those as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure he will be. Yeah, and rightfully so as well. It's important, I think, to remember that this was a Julian Ward deal because I've seen some people already sort of. Yeah. Jokingly, I suppose in many senses, saying Schmadka's coming from that <laughs> business done because it does kind of yeah. lead like that, doesn't it? But yeah. Like I say it's important to remember that Ward was definitely. I noticed he wasn't. There was no pictures, was there, of of, of anyone with yep. him? You know, there was no sort of arm round the shoulder. Which we've done in the past, haven't we? Yeah, you there, know, yeah. you've seen. I, I mean, I remember. I think it was who was the player I saw coming. It was. It must have been Diaz. And so I remember Julian sort of being in the office and sort of ah, you know, how yeah, how I yeah. maybe Cody actually. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but there's no there's no Le- Melwood Lean or Kirby Lean, is there anymore? <laughs> Not this time. No. Yeah. Um, I wanted to sort of round off on the McAllister stuff as well, and I wanted to ask you about the price because obviously for a long time it was reported that you'd be looking more like 60, 70 and I think a lot of us well no one really batted an eyelid at that because we thought as you say yeah. pedigree's brilliant Premier League proven just won a World Cup just signed a new contract 
great age, etc., etc. Plus, add into the fact that Brighton drive a hard bargain, mm. they tend to get the best money. We all went, okay, you've got to pay 70 million for him, go and do it. Turns out we get him for quite literally half that. And there's a lot of speculation around a possible release clause. So I wanted to ask you about that and if you know anything on it. And also, I know David Ornstein recently suggested there was a mechanism in his contract. Now, purely speculation on my behalf, I wondered whether that was the sort of release clause whereby he's gone and said, if certain clubs come in for me, they could yeah. pay X amount, that sort of thing, because that does exist in some deals, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, so- I, I, well, I also think it's probably more along the lines of, you know, <laughs> I'm not signing a contract which which ties me to this club. And I am signing, I'll sign a four-year contract, but I'm not being tied to the club for four years. You know, mm-hmm. that, that kind of one. Yeah. If I deliver certain... Okay. In the, you know, performance, you know, listen, we get into Europe... Mm-hmm. I, I want I want the chance to move, to consider a move or you to consider a move. I don't want you to 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 be Hold holding me back, like holding that, yeah. me back in that way. Um, and you, as I say, you got to remember Brighton. Brighton had nothing to lose really in in doing it. Did you know they could? They were going to lose him for nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, as as recently as you know the the autumn last year. So that I think is. Um, has made it a little bit easier. It probably explains a little bit why Casado, you know, we've seen the sort of the heavy fees that they're talking about mm-hmm. for him, you know, who doesn't have the release clause, who did sign a new contract. I wouldn't be amazed, you know, I think I wouldn't be amazed if he moves this summer. I'm pretty sure he'll move this summer, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it'll be a higher, a higher yeah. sort of fee than that. So maybe there's an element of Brighton thinking, okay, we probably should get, let's say, what, 110 million for those two. Mm-hmm. If we get it 35 and 75 then it's not it's not the end of the world no. is it you know rather than rather than a, a more even split but I think the, the, the knock on effect of that is you know Liverpool get a great deal yeah. Liverpool get a real good one th- I'm, I'm told that the, the worry that Liverpool had was, was Real Madrid actually in this that they were the sort of if you talk about the stalk and horse in the in the race, you know there was a lot of talk of Chelsea and Manchester United being mm. being in there but I, I believe that Liverpool's sort of biggest worry was our realm, you know, if you if you think of who's obviously who's the clients there, but uh, Alan in particular, an Ancelotti, an Ancelotti player, um, someone who you know, there's, there's a relationship there. Um, a few Brazilians, um, obviously, I've, I've worked with with Ancelotti and mm. from from that stable. So there was a worry that maybe Real Madrid had just see an opportunity, and so why wouldn't you? You know, thirty five million, but fortunately for Liverpool and you know for for fans. It didn't turn out that mm. way, and Liverpool looked like they had a, a pretty clear run at it. Yeah, thankfully. So, like I say, losing midfielders to Real Madrid is not <laughs> no. not a conversation I want to be sat here having no, any no, they, time they, soon. They were due one win. Let, let yeah, them have one at least. One yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, boss as ever from Neil, just what we expect. And finally, the deep dive team have been in and Chris and Josh have been looking at Manu Kone and Kefrem Taram as possible future teammates with Alexis McAllister, just to see how that will work. Yeah, it seems like Kone could be next. It seems like Joram could be next. It seems like Gravenberg could be next. You know, there's, there's loads of different rumours, isn't he? But the Kone stuff looks a bit more concrete than some of the other stuff. So it's worth taking a look at who he is, what he does kind of player he is, whether that makes sense and all that sort of stuff. Um, should we get into it? Yes, please, Lou, will you take me through it? So he's he's 22, uh, which is a good age. He's around six foot tall or so. Uh, his contract expires in two years. He's on a low wage. Plays in the Bundesliga for Gladbach, I think, like a mid-table side a lot of the time. And his availability in terms of his fitness record is good. So all of those, that's all green, that's all ticks. Um, in terms of the way he plays his profile as a player, to me, he looks like a ball-winning, press-resistant kind of player for the middle third of the pitch, basically. In terms of pressing him and stuff, he seems really calm and, and unpredictable in terms of the way he can get out of those situations. Yeah, but, good dribbler. Yeah, yeah, really good dribbler, yeah. I mean, we, 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 we will get into that with his numbers. Um, and alongside the dribbling, more more inclined than normal to put a foot in, a good ball winner and that sort of stuff and, and, and can help with that sort of thing that Liverpool have maybe suffered from particularly earlier in the season when it comes to like players just drifting right through our midfield. No one was putting a foot in for being over season shadows. So 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> round and round. Yeah. yeah. For three months. Yeah. Coney was a uh, Coney's a bit more got his head screwed on with that. I don't think he's chasing his shadow yet. I think he's so still... sorry for the video. <laughs> I mean, we can get into his, his visits, I suppose. We'll use his. <laughs> You're not finished with that, you know. Yeah. You're not finished with that. Oh, I'm funny. You can funny. just picture that for the next few I minutes. I just loved it. It was great. I'm just, he's fucking won everything. And I'm just like, you're fucking chasing your own shadow, you tit. Yeah. Like, fucking, I wouldn't give to me, I'd give anything to me for being, you know. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's such a better life than me. <laughs> fucking, I'm just having a pop at him. It's, play, it's, it's playing them 63 games last season, mate. He's absolutely gone round a bend. That's oh, the four floodlights, mate. One from every corner. You know which one to chase. <laughs> Yeah, so we we'll go on to his visits then to um to capture his defensive game first. So what you're seeing there now? I'm going out on a limb here. Is he the aqua blue dot? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey! That, that In was your actually face world. that was actually supposed to be teal for the the Liverpool badge. Look, I was I was very much more. Um, we'll go with that open though. to colours normally that would be green or blue to me because yeah. I have about the primary colours and that's it whereas my wife's got like fucking duck egg and teal and I can tell you're renovating your house with your missus because yeah. teal comes up all the time it's like it's normally that's just dark green that's light green that's green they're the colours that I own and but now women have a colour for fucking everything that's caramel darling no fuck off caramel it's fucking dirty white this is the third meltdown of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable, you're on a roll here, mate. Um, should we get into it? Yeah, not? go ahead. Yes, <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, this is Bundesliga players this season. This is... Don't get this on Alain Anfield. <laughs> no, you don't know. Um, this is midfielders only. This is um, players who've played a minimum of 900 minutes. So, And this is recoveries on the bottom axis... And this is tackles and interceptions on the side axis as well. So, as you can see there, Kone, he's not like an outlier, is he? No. But he is... He's top I mean, he's third going, in he, terms of recoveries per 90, and he's probably about 60% of the way up the tackles and interceptions. Is that fair representation? Yeah. So, for those who, who maybe watched our Ugarte show a couple of weeks back, he's not as much of an outlier or as much of a freak in, in every sense as, as Ugarte was. But he does win the ball for you a fair amount. And, I mean, are you surprised to see Emery Chan there? Yeah, I am, to yeah. be honest with you. I was massively surprised. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't surprised to see like the likes of Kimmich and stuff like that, but Emery Chan, yeah, because I don't know what he, what type of a player he is anymore, but Dortmund have obviously had a good season, haven't they? Um, yeah. Nearly winning the league and stuff, so yeah, it's interesting. I mean, but in terms of tackling interceptions, he's very similar to Jude Bellingham, and in terms of recoveries per 90, he's much better than Jude Bellingham. Now, I know Jude gives you a lot more going forward, probably. Yeah, he does. Um, he does, yeah. So... You know, but but G Bellingham's an all-rounder and I consider him a good ball winner and he's better than him at that. Yeah, I mean, what I've used to... The reason I've captured this is because he, he doesn't necessarily, in comparison to like the other lads in the Bundesliga, he doesn't look like an outlier, like a special ball winner like that, like a Kante or a Ugarte or someone like that. But despite that, he, he is... I want to be clear, he still is winning the ball a fair amount there for his team to the extent that... If he was to be added to Liverpool, he, he would shine as a as that kind of player. Well, does any Liverpool player have more than seven recoveries per game? Uh, do you know what? Off the top of my head, I don't know. Uh, I should know that, shouldn't I? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can get them. Not me. Mate. I shouldn't. I'm moaning about colours. Yeah. Well, well you think... should know that. I think you should definitely know that. I'm disappointed actually that <laughs> you don't know that. I think you should fucking be ashamed of yourself. Well, if you want to have another little rant about something, okay. maybe, maybe the floor or something like that. The floor is proper dirty, to be fair. Like, um, but no, I don't think we need to rant about the floor when we've clearly got these weird colour green magnets in front of me. I've bought you enough time you to have. actually find out. You have. So what have we got? So Liverpool's best ball winner in terms of tackles and interceptions this season just gone is Thiago on 4.6. Per ninety, so um, Kone is about he's he's less than that. Okay. Kone's, Kone's between like Thiago and like uh, a Milner slash Fabinho slash Jones kind of player. Kone would be probably second on our list for that. Mm -hmm. um, and then if we if we move away from his ball winning and we go towards what he's doing with the ball. One of the key areas he shows up in is, as we've just said, he's a really keen dribbler. 
Um, Jude Bellingham tops the league for that. What you can see there is the top 25 players in the Bundesliga, midfielders only. Again, minimum one, minimum 900 minutes and stuff. And that's just successful dribbles per 90. Um, and he ranks third on that, does he? Yeah, he ranks third. A lot of those players there, like from Alex Kral downwards, it's basically, you're not a dribbler, essentially. Um, in fact, from like, I can't even pronounce that name, Christ. <laughs> Beneath Suat Seda and down. Oh, you mean Nayoro Ayamada? <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you were there. That was obvious. That, yeah. <laughs> that was the pronunciation was there to be plucked. That's an unbelievable name. No, I'm not saying <laughs> <it. laughs> I, I struggled with George Smadker or whatever his name is. Yeah, now. <laughs> just watched you. Yeah, but, but, <laughs> most of those players there anyway are just not dribblers because they're, they're not even doing one per 90. Uh, Kone is... is, is very much at the top end of the scale for that in comparison to other midfielders. To be honest, he's a bit Nabi Keita Bundesliga. Oh. Uh, which may be, oh, a, may be a bit of a red Josh. flag, yeah. My words. But the thing is, I mean, I've watched a few videos on I've watched a few of his, his highlights on White Scouts and stuff like that. Not, I don't profess to watch anywhere near as much as your McAllister's and stuff like that. He, he very, I don't know why, and I don't know whether this is what you were going to get on to here, but with it, with Kone, I, I, he's a, I thought Wijnaldum was a really good dribbler and I thought Wijnaldum was good at winning the ball back and stuff mm. and shielding the ball and moving the ball on and that's kind of where I'm seeing Kone at the moment. I don't know if that's just stupid or... Well, we will get to that with the board, won't we? But he, to me, he looks like the kind of player who would consciously avoid the final third, doesn't really post goals or assists ever really and I think like Wijnaldum could become that player if you need him to. Kone, not for me. Um I mean, should we... Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. If we look at this system that Liverpool have used the, past, the last 10 games, we're led to believe it's going to be a thing next season with Trent doing this inverted stuff. This is where it, it, it becomes question marks for me because for me, he's not on, he's not on the eights. Mm -hmm. Coney, for me, I don't see him as any of the eights. And the only position I can see him in is, is the Fabinho role. And even that feels a tiny bit of a push um, but I can't see him anywhere else <laughs> I mean have you got any thoughts on it like, well uh, in this formation only because my thoughts would be not this formation yeah same um, I think from what I've seen I think he's a I do think he's a very good dribbler but it's that sort of I'm sure I'm similar in this regard it's the, they've got the strength to be able to dribble like Rodri can dribble you know what I mean? And he uses his body to shield the ball really well. And when he gets moving, he, he's good at it. Patrick Vieira, in his absolute pomp, was brilliant at it. Yaya Torre was brilliant at dribbling through the middle of the park, using their strength. And maybe maybe he shows up in the progressive carries um, quite he highly. He does. Uh, for somebody like that, because you are taking them from deep to there. Now, is he the dribbler that's going to take you from there to there? For me, no. No. Know. No. But I think that that's what makes this interesting, though, because... If we're going to use this, that that's so important. People overlook this. People are talking on Twitter, especially on like Coney's boss. We need to get him in. Chiram's boss. We need to get him in. The the big thing for me is where he fit. What what's the plan? Because last season, we we got Nunes in, for example, top player, big prospect, mm. can be whatever he wants, mm. but th he didn't fit the system. And I think we quickly kind of realised that. And over the course of the season, we tried to fit him in square peg round hole on the left Firmino clone which just in my opinion didn't work we got in Carvalho big prospect lots of potential arrived as a number 10 we don't play with a 10 now he's available on loan so my issue with this is just if we're getting him in fine he's a good player he's got his own perks and stuff like that can win the ball for you can dribble but what's the plan and if we're using this system if he's not playing as Fabinho he's on the bench Unless we play with this with and without the ball, and I don't know where Trent plays then, mm. potentially there, and Kone is part of a double pivot with Fabinho. Um, I would be a lot more on board with this signing if it was original 433. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed all of that amazing content. And remember, if you head over to Redmen Plus and if you sign up as a club captain, yearly subscriber, use code MAC10, that's M-A-C-1-0, you will get it for just £25 for an entire year's worth of content. So go over there and get it done.